0: Hello and welcome back to the Steph Gorton Show. After much demand, I am coming back to you live on the mic with my wonderful, wonderful fiance, Tim Frey. Hi, Tim.
1: Hi. Well, was there actually demand? Uh... (laughs) Yes. I was like, shit, that's the first time I've heard about it.
0: People did. Obviously, didn't tell me. People did love our session together. They did. Session? Well, our last podcast session. Okay. You know, these are sessions, yeah, Session sessions in the, in the podcast room.
1: It's not what I would call a session.
0: <laughs> Tim, today, what I wanted to chat about was a conversation that we were having in Bali when we were there last time. And we were sitting in this beautiful restaurant and, you know, we popped over for a little five week break and we realized that we were kind of living our dream life.
1: Mm, I do remember. What's that? Um... Mason. Mason. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I said to Tim, babe, do you remember when we did not have this, when, you know, we were literally scraping the barrel for all of our money. And it felt like what we have today, just popping over to Bali for five days and being able to run our businesses from there and being able to have the ability, the time freedom, the financial freedom to be able to do that whenever we like, it felt like that was a dream at one point.
1: Yeah. It just becomes normal once you've been doing it for a while, but I think we sat there and we had to pinch ourselves. I think I brought it up at dinner. I was like, have a look around. This is fucking crazy. Yeah.
0: And you know, I think for, for a lot of people who may stumble across either myself or Tim now, you might think that we've always been here. You might think that we've always, you know, had this kind of business mindset or that we were, you know, always wealthy, or that we had skills that we could utilize. And they don't see how much you and I were really not particularly raised wealthy or even that skilled if we weren't even really raised entrepreneurs. In fact, both of our parents had failed attempts at businesses, which kind of cost them a lot.
1: Multiple failed businesses. Yeah. Very broke. Yeah. And well, Not many skills.
0: Not many skills. So we definitely weren't at this level when we first met. Tim and I met five years ago. When we first met, we were both pretty broke. I couldn't even afford to service my car and you were living in a share house with three other people.
1: Yeah. Although it was very povo, it was very fun. So <laughs> I did enjoy living in a share house. It was
0: quite
1: fun. Um, although, yeah, I wasn't living my best life, quote you unquote. But
0: definitely weren't living just random trips to Bali, whenever you felt like it, when nah. you were the single sole owner operator of your gym and working every single session and every single PT session and running all of the hats of business owner bookkeeper you know cleaner cleaner all of it love cleaning (laughs) so what i wanted to bring with to you guys today was kind of how we did it in the last five years what some of the biggest and most pivotal lessons were and just to talk you through what life actually looked like for us before we got here so that hopefully you can take away some gems and some goodies for yourself and you know be able to utilize some of the information that we share today so tim i would love for you to tell me a little bit about your money story growing up like what was it like growing up in your household you know were you guys wealthy what did it look like for you
1: i think like a money story is very interesting because Your actions, beliefs, and and what you think about money inherently comes from your parents, whether you believe it or not. So without me believing my money story came from my parents, it did. So my parents, well particularly my dad was very poor and my mum was, you know, middle class but you know dad used to tell me him and his own father would jump on coal trains while they were moving and steal coal off the train so they could power their you know heating appliances at night and stay warm in Germany which is pretty wild and they would have to steal food and as soon as the food would go on the table it would be a fight between the family to who would actually eat. Mm. So it was like kind of like survival of the fittest off the bat. So that's why my dad eats really fast and I eat even faster than him. He taught me how to eat super fast. (laughs) He taught me how to eat. Yeah. So, you know, inherently we were not wealthy growing up. Not super broke, but like just getting by kind of thing. So my dad had heaps of failed businesses, and you know, mum was working for a little bit before she started suffering with some mental health stuff. But generally, we were one kind of sole income family growing up there. So it wasn't like abundance and you know, like saving money and investing and gaining skills and entrepreneurship. This was unheard of in my family. So, you know, my model of wealth and wealth creation and business was not great.
0: Yeah. You know, your dad had a few failed businesses. What do you think it taught you about business? What do you think the belief systems were that you created in seeing that?
1: I think it was positive for me because I didn't want to turn out like that. I didn't want to have to go through and be like, I have a failed business And explain that to my kids or my wife or my family. So I think it instilled hustle in me, Mm. just to work harder. So like I refuse to be outworked by anyone.
0: Yeah, that is so.
1: Especially when Steph met me, it was like hustle city. You know, before I learned how to systemize and you know make processes and procedures and these types of things, where it all was on me. But you know, I was never outworked by anyone.
0: No, yeah, and I think like you and I both were of the same mindset. Like we grew up with like, you know, hard fathers who mm. like worked hard and they were they weren't like tough men, you know? And I think what we both learned from that was kind of like, you might not be the smartest in the room, but you can work harder than anyone else in the room. Right. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And I had, you know, a fairly similar upbringing, probably a little bit more broke, mm. uh, than, than that. But My dad grew up in, my dad's quite a little bit older, he's 76, just turned 76, and he grew up in England back in the 1940s, which is crazy, 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 in the 40s. I know and he grew up in housing commission he was one of 14 kids so he grew up totally poor and he always said you know I'm gonna give my daughter the best of everything because I don't want my daughter to grow up in housing commission and bless him like his cotton socks he never let us grow up in housing commission however he wanted so much for us to be wealthy and and well he did well eventually when I was seven he actually went bankrupt trying to operate a corner store that was his first dive into entrepreneurship and in conversations I've had with him in later years you know he just really didn't develop the skills to make that work. But I remember growing up, we were so broke. I remember one Christmas, my mum was buying me secondhand billabong clothes and then cutting off the labels and sewing them onto best and less clothes and then wrapping them up for me and telling me there were new billabong clothes so that I'd fit in at school. And I remember being like, so, you know, so young and so selfish and thinking that was so crap, but that was kind of like how we lived. And my parents never owned houses or nice cars. We moved a lot. We rented everywhere. My parents still rent. At one stage, my dad was working three jobs. And for my family, everything was about money. Mm. Um... They were always saving money, talking about money. Money doesn't grow on trees. You know, always every fight they ever had was about money. And my parents hated people who had money. They resented them because they didn't have it. And so for me, it created the belief systems that one, because we lost everything when we went bankrupt, that, you know, you can take it all away at any minute and that you can lose it all at any minute and, and that money is still dirty. And, and Tim, I think you could testament to the fact that that's something that I still work through a lot. I still sometimes get caught up. Like, any other human in scarcity mindset and and getting in that trap of like oh my god but what happens if I make one mistake and lose it all
1: yeah one hundred percent even like when we met we had many 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 arguments about money like just in our first like couple of months together Steph was just real weird about money so obviously.
0: weird about money
1: and uh, she was like how does this fucking guy live like what is this like. What is spending and like, what is this lifestyle? And, yeah. you know, she was completely blown away by it. But eventually, I strong armed her and, you know, we got her over to the dark side. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, I was really struggling. I, I really have always struggled with money mindset. And so earning money and, and holding money and keeping money and saving it and learning to invest and all of that stuff. Oh my God, that felt so far off. I play to say from the moment that my parents went bankrupt, I got jobs, careers, I didn't take risks. And so it's kind of, I guess, safe to say that we definitely didn't grow up with a silver spoon in our mouths, mm. but there were pivotal moments in our life since we met that have led us to where we are now and to this beautiful lifestyle that we've created and this gorgeous house that we live in by the beach and this beautiful time freedom that we've created and trips to Bali. And I don't know, life is just so sweet. But it didn't always start out that way. And we wanted to share with you some of the lessons that we've had along the way and experiences so that you might learn from them too. So I think it all starts with one of your mentors in 2017. Mm. Um, You went on a retreat. Do you want to tell us about that?
1: Yeah. So we do these crazy things called fitness retreats. And I used to go on a few before I started doing them myself. And one of them was by well, a mentor and friend of mine called Keegan Smith, ATD mentor on Instagram. Well, that's his current name anyway. And it was mindset mixed with brutal physical pursuits, like just very hard training. So it was to absolutely tax you mentally, absolutely tax you physically, and then find a new kind of level which you'd go at. And then we were sitting in kind of like a sharing circle And I'm sharing something and Keegan looked back at me and just in the eyes, he just stopped dead. And there was 18 people in the room, everyone staring at me and he goes, if you had a son and he grew up to be just like you, would you be proud? And it just kind of hit me like a lightning bolt to the heart. I was like, fuck, I am just definitely not living to my full potential. I'm probably giving it 5%. And from that moment forward, I thought to myself, it's like I need to try harder with business. I need to try harder with investment. I need to try harder with study, gaining skills, you know, meeting a partner, all these types of things. Everything from that moment for me was like one of the most pivotal moments. And I just need to get my shit together, really. Like Mm. just something in your life will happen at some point. Something someone will say something to you, or you'll get to this point of pain where enough is enough and you need to make a change. And that was just the culmination of everything I'd subconsciously been feeling from my entire adulthood was just in one question. It wasn't even about the question. It was just like I was just so ready for a change at that point, where that was the the tip.
0: And I really think, like, we just met. We were we were kind of dating. Maybe we'd been together a couple of months or something. It was kind of casual. It wasn't that serious. And I knew I wanted it to be serious. I basically planned out how we were going to get married.
1: Mm, in Which, our first week.
0: In our first week, I was, dead, I was dead serious. But Tim was not that serious. And I remember him coming back from that trip and I just saw a totally different version of, of you. And I personally thought that you'd really grown up. Mm. And I think that what I'd seen is that like you said, you were so ready for that change and in an immediate shift in behavior. I think you had that opportunity to really reassess where your life was at and maybe have a look at the people in your world, Mm. the ways that you were behaving. Like how were you spending your time back then?
1: I was partying. Doing a lot of party stuff, having a good time, spending a lot of money on party stuff, generally just out, you know, three, four, five times a week, you know, hanging out with the wrong people, talking about bullshit and nonsense. Then I was too hungover every other day to even take my business forward or take my life forward or study. So I think a big thing was to cut down and cut out the parting for a period so I could get ahead. That was the main one. And then obviously commit to my lovely fiance slash wife over here.
0: Yeah, it was pretty cute when he was going back from that trip. He texted me and he was like, things are going to change between us. And I was like, immediately like, is he dumping me? (laughs) What do you mean things are going to (laughs) change? And I think that like you were kind of living a bit of a, I would say everything you were doing was kind of average at that point, Mm. right? Like you were just averagely getting by. And it's funny because there's a quote that you've got tattooed on your chest. And I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) butcher it. Mittel ist ein (laughs) Zunde.
1: It's pretty good. So it's in German, and it's Mittelmaßerschke ist eine Sünde, which means mediocrity is a sin. Uh, so I got that tattooed on my chest, not long after that, just to remind myself every day.
0: Yeah, and so I think since that day, you know, Tim's been trying to be the best he can at everything that he turns his hand to, and it's just that was one of those pivotal moments. And I think the biggest lesson here is don't be average don't be average and and just like do everything do it to the best of your ability i think the biggest lesson was just that you've got to be out of your current environment to in order to have that shift and have that change yeah the second thing that happened or the second pivotal moment for us would have been tony robbins in 2018 we could not afford to go yeah <laughs> it,
1: tickets weren't expensive but like getting there and the accommodation and stuff was the expensive bit.
0: And I'd never done personal development before. So Tim says ticket went, tickets were went expensive, but they were like $860 for five days, which now I look back and I'm like, what? That is so That's cheap. Bargain, Tony, man. what are you doing? Yeah. It's so cheap. But at the time, I'd never invested in self-development. So $800 felt like a bloody, like, you know, like I couldn't service my car for that, which I previously hadn't been servicing. So yeah. it felt like a lot of money. But yeah, the cost of actually getting there was the worst. Like the plane, because it was in Sydney, so it was UPW for anyone who doesn't know, which is Unleashed Power Within by Tony Robbins. Yeah. It was over in Sydney, so we had to fly there. We had to put ourselves up in accommodation. We had to you know, hire a car to be able to get there every day. It was honestly, it, it drained me down to kind of my final dollars that were in my bank account and uh
1: let's talk about the accommodation oh
0: okay oh,
1: the accommodation was so bad it was, it was so like bad. imagine the worst motel you've ever seen like not
0: a hotel i want to be really it's clear a it's a motel yeah. like one of those roadside motels it had like
1: my own carpets like wallpaper walls the like the windows were, were dirty cracked. oh yeah,
0: the shower was, was leaking
1: yeah the shower barely had a light and it was like a jail cell it, it was
0: so bad.
1: So, yeah, yeah, we're traveling, but we were staying in a shoebox.
0: Yeah, it was a real moment. But the craziest part was we didn't even care. No. Nah. We didn't even care because we were just so stoked to be there. And we were just so thrilled to be on this self-development trip together, learning from Tony. And I remember walking into the Tony Robbins experience and like everyone's like high-fiving you. And it's like this real vibe. And I was like, oh my God, this is like these people, Pulse. This these people are the weirdest. This yeah. is going to be so weird. Why are we here? How can we spend so much money on it? But my God, by the end of that seminar, I quit my day job. We were dreaming bigger than we'd ever dreamed before. And by the end of that seminar, we both genuinely believed. And I think this was the moment where Mm. where shit really changed because we genuinely believed that we could be
1: millionaires. Mm -hmm. 100%. It was incredible.
0: We uh, we came home after day two, I think. They're like 12-hour days. We got home really late in the evening and we were just laying in bed and we'd had these presenters talking all day about how they'd made these millions of dollars. And, you know, we just sat down and we couldn't sleep because we were so hyped. And we... And we
1: walked on fire.
0: We, we yeah, walked yeah. on fire. That's
1: why my feet hurt. So I guess <laughs> walking on literally fire. <laughs>
0: and we laid in bed and we, like, got a journal out and we were figuring out exactly how we could get to a million dollars. And we were doing it based off Tim's gym, which is called Helix. And my business at the time, which was called House of Hobby... And we were just sitting there running all the numbers. How many workers would we have to do? How many clients would we have to have? How much would we have to charge? What would it have to look like for us to make a million dollars? And honestly, I reckon if we found that journal, there was no way enough. we like we wouldn't have actually been able to do it no, with the impossible. types, you know, types yeah. of businesses we had back then mm. and the way that we were running them and the way they were set up. It just wouldn't have worked. But for the first time ever, I truly believed that we could do it. And if you just said that to me in 2016 or 2017, you'll be like, you know, you're gonna become a millionaire and you're gonna believe that you're gonna become a millionaire, I would have laughed at you in the face because there's no way that I would have thought that was possible for me. And so that was a really pivotal moment for us, I would say. Yeah. And again, getting outside of your comfort zone was the key to that. Like we couldn't afford it. We we, you know, definitely didn't have a, a glamorous experience. But in both of our minds, just such a standout experience on, you know, really getting us this next level.
1: I don't even think we were eating because we couldn't afford to eat. Yeah. So we were having like a $10 breakfast somewhere and then just not eating for the rest of the day.
0: Yeah. We, we were literally like, oh, uh, you know, we couldn't afford lunch at the Tony Robbins thing because it, it was all like $23 or yeah. something. And we just couldn't, we, we were so broke guys. Like I can't tell you how broke we were. Like we could not afford to be there. And I quit my day job while I was there. I remember having a call with my boss and like quit my day job while I was there, even though we couldn't afford to be there because for the first time ever, I could see that this was possible for me. And I believed in myself. Mm.
1: Um, it was hilarious. I was at my hairdresser today and obviously getting my hair back to it's a natural color. And mm-hmm. I was talking about how we have a housekeeper. <laughs> it was like so ridiculous. I had to catch myself. I was like, this sounds so ridiculous to like,
0: yeah, because we just you wouldn't have dreamed of this it. lifestyle. Like we, and they
1: were like, "So you have a mate?"
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and she's not; she's part of the family. Yeah, and it's crazy because, yeah, like if you just said that to us five years ago, before we went to Tony Robbins, like we we couldn't even afford, you know, to buy food, let alone like you know have someone come and help us out around the house with our housekeeping and cleaning and doing our washing and stuff. It's it's insane. The third experience that I have written down here is. Something that we both did together, but we did it at different times. And that was our NLP training, which is our neuro-linguistic programming training. So Tim did it first. Mm -hmm. Tim, do you want to tell everyone a little bit about what NLP is?
1: So I like to define NLP as, well, neuro-linguistic programming, but the psychology of success. So it's a way of unlocking whatever's going on in your subconscious mind that's limiting your success and you know, making positive neural pathways which can foster your success. So that sounds quite hectic, but it was really important in understanding myself, understanding the basics of psychology of other people as well. And then obviously how to use that to my advantage Mm -hmm. with counseling, coaching, and basically just unlocking people's success for themselves.
0: What was your biggest lesson from NLP? What was the thing that really like, you know, to lead us to where we are today, what do you think was the biggest lesson that came through?
1: This just sounds so ridiculous to even say this and so preposterous that I'm even going to say this but really that the world didn't revolve around me Mm. because I know that I'm not the only one out there that thinking the center of the universe of all time revolves around my own cranium and my (laughs) own skull. But like that was huge for me just to think that like everyone is living their own reality and everyone thinks the whole world revolves around them in some degree. And then I just felt like so small because I know I'm just like a one of 200 billion people that's ever lived on the earth became so apparent to me in that moment that really – I should probably just go harder at my goals because it's not really going to matter. I'm never really going to be remembered.
0: (laughs) Heavy. (laughs) I think that, like, I I love it. (laughs) I love it because, you know, it's true. And I think, like, the example of that, just to prove to you that everyone thinks about themselves and not other people is like, you know, so much of what we hear, especially in the gym, is like, oh, I'm too scared to come in because what will people think about me when I'm training? Or, you know, I don't want to be the, you know, the insert heaviest person there, weakest person there, slowest person there, whatever it might be. And it's like, no one cares because everyone's focusing on themselves. Like no one's yeah. judging you. Like when was the last time you actually walked into a gym and judged somebody? Like you're so conscious about what everyone thinks about you. Are your undies showing? Is there a hole in your crotch? Like, does this shirt show my midriff when I put my hands up? Like yeah. you're only concerned about yourself. And I saw a quote yesterday that said something along the lines of, when you look at a group photo and you're in it, who's the first person you look at? you into yourself right
1: it's like when you're on a zoom meeting all you look at is yourself
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> guilty it's like everyone's like what do i look like on zoom no one cares because no one's looking
0: <laughs> legit because everyone's looking at themselves yeah. and so it is like i think the reality is that yeah everybody's focused on themselves and you know, if you want to get ahead in business, it's like give people what they want rather than what you want. And then you're going to be able to get ahead in business. But I love that was your biggest takeaway. My biggest takeaway from NLP was basically the rose colored glasses. I didn't realize that the way that I saw the world was not the way that everybody saw the world. I thought that my views and my beliefs (laughs) and... My experiences were the right ones. I thought that they were right. And I thought that other people were wrong if they weren't having the same experience as me. And I didn't realize that everybody is viewing the world through these series of filters that changes the way that they interact. And that's why we're all so different. And that really blew my mind. Like that really helped me to understand one. Okay, how do I change the filter that I'm currently perceiving the world through so that I can, you know, optimize it to a a filter that's more helpful to getting me to my goals, but also be like really to be patient and to understand people from a different perspective. And it also shut my ego up on trying to be right all the time. Mm.
1: You still blame me for stuff.
0: (laughs) Because I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) So, NLP, like we both did that. Tim even did the master's course as well. And I'm
1: basically a Jedi.
0: Yeah. He's a mindset Jedi. And uh, it's hard to live with, honestly. (laughs) You can never win an argument. Can't win an argument. But yeah, I think the NLP was an incredible, incredible, incredible experience. And again, for me, I could not afford the NLP course. Neither, no. Yeah.
1: I I the payment plan freaked me out.
0: Yeah. Did it?
1: It was aggressive. Oh, yeah. They
0: offered me a hundred dollar per week. That was plan. aggressive. That was it
1: aggressive. Made, yeah.
0: <laughs> They offered me a hundred dollars per week payment plan and they had an upfront option, but I had to take the payment plan because I just couldn't afford it. And it was for like 24 weeks or Yeah, uh, I didn't have the money. Longer than that. It was, it was, I think it was like 4000 dollars I think it went over like a like off. two years. No,
1: kidding.
0: And we again couldn't afford it, but found a way because we knew, and like, if you think about it, this NLP course, like it changed the way that we see the world, it changed the way that we interact with people, it changed the way we interacted with our clients and understood their needs and hopes and dreams. It changed everything for us. And yet there was no promised outcome. We just had to invest this money to upskill ourselves with no promised outcome. It's not like when you you sign up to a business coaching course, or you sign up to a gym and you know that someone's going to guide you to get a result. It wasn't like that. It was just learning. It was purely just for learning. So,
1: Developing your skills is the best thing you can ever do. Without it, you'll always be average.
0: Absolutely. Because genuinely the thing that's going to set you apart is how skilled you are and those skills and how you use them to be able to level up, especially if you're in business, especially, but even if you have a career, the most skilled person in the room is going to get the promotion. The most skilled person in the room is going to, you know, get the opportunities. And so it's about really making sure that you are actually upskilling and becoming the most skilled version of yourself. And that leads me to the fourth one, which is actually a personal one for me. Um, in 2020, so NLP is 2019, Tony Robbins is 2018, Keegan was 2017. In 2020, I hired a coach for the most money that I've ever spent on a coach. And I was earning less than $10,000 per month. And honestly, most of it was going in and coming straight back out again. And I hired this coach and he was $30,000. And... I absolutely could not afford it, but I absolutely knew from my previous investments that I couldn't afford not to do it. I knew that I needed help to get to the next level of my coaching business. I just sold my other business. I had no money left to my name and I had to rebuild. And so I hired this coach to help me rebuild. And what did it teach me, this investment? and What were the biggest lessons that came out of the investment for me? Were community is everything. I joined that community and the coaches were telling me, yeah, 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 you'll do really well. You'll make a million dollars, but I didn't believe them. (laughs) I was like, of course, I'm not going to believe you. You have an agenda. (laughs) You want to tell me that I'm going to get that so that I will stay with you and spend more money. So I just didn't really believe them. But when I joined that community, there was like 500 people in that community and they were all like celebrating themselves for their most recent wins. And some of those wins were like people making $200,000 a month or even million dollar months in some cases. There was someone who had like a $1.8 million launch in a week, just crazy stuff. And it totally broke my perception of what was possible. And for me, like without having that community there to show me that, I don't know if I ever would have dreamed that that stuff would have been possible for me. I don't think I ever would have got as far as I got, as quick as I got without having those people. And I mean, you were part of the community too. You saw it. It was mind blowing.
1: Yeah, 100%.
0: What these people were able to achieve. And so immediately I was like, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And so I put my head down and I worked my ass off. And within 12 months, we, you know, had incredible results. We've taken our business from less than 10K per month to, you know, 80, 90K per month. And it's been up, upwards since there. So it's, it's been phenomenal. And I could not have done that without having invested that $30,000, which turned into multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, I just absolutely couldn't have done it without that. One of the other lessons I learned from being in that community was to not blindly follow what other people do and, You know, there's a lot of people and even when you hire coaches or whatever that might look like, there's a lot of people who are going to tell you what to do. I don't think blindly following works, I think that you have to take what they do and then put your own flair on it, put your own values on it, put your own like expression on it and make it really yours and, and really make sure it fits with you. So for example, if someone's saying do cold sales calls and, and you don't want to do cold sales calls or you know that that's not right for your audience, don't just blindly follow it. Find a way to make it work for you. See if it fits. See if you can find a way to make it work. See if you can make it your own. And um, If someone gives you a script, don't just blindly follow it. Make the script your own. Make it sound like you. Make it feel like you. Make it look like you. Make it feel the way that you... Wanted it to feel so don't just blindly follow what other people do definitely find the you in every process and every scenario couldn't agree more and then the last experience that we had that i want to speak about that i think has led us to where we are today and i guess this one is really really recent so i think this is what's leading us to what's next so if you're going to be following along for the journey where you know big things are coming but we went to bali in may and it was a really eye-opening experience. We really realized that we were playing very small. <laughs> and so we started dreaming an even bigger vision for our life. Do you want to share like some of one of the experiences that happened?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, we went for my 31st birthday. Steph we organized a cycle trip around Ubud, which was nice. And we had uh, electric bikes, so there wasn't too much cycling. So it was basically like an electric motorbike around the <laughs> fields, which, up. which is great. Yeah. Um, So it's like been the two years of COVID and two and a bit years, two and a half years. Uh, So like we hadn't left the country. They hadn't had any tourists. We were in the first batch of tourists, which was incredible. We had an amazing Balinese tour guide and uh, he was super happy, super energetic, like fucking loving life, to be honest. And we stopped and, you know, we've done a couple stops and I noticed he just kept picking up snails. And uh, I was like, why is this dude picking up snails? This is so weird. But anyway, I'll ask him later. So we get to lunch and I uh, talked to this guy and I was like, so what have you been up to for the last two years? And he said, yeah, I've just been in the jungle hunting bees for honey. And I kind of just like stopped, didn't really say anything for a second. I was like, can you like, give me some more information? And he was like, okay, cool. So I went down to, well, I was in Ubud, I was, I was hunting bees and then I went back down to Dempasar and I tried to sell them on the market, the honey, and it wasn't really very successful. He would go like three to four days sometimes without catching any bees or any honey. So he it was, it was really struggling. He did that for the entire COVID process. And then I was m- mind boggled by this. And then he kept collecting snails in the strip. So I said, what's up with the snails? And he said, I got so used to eating snails. And my family did during the COVID period because we had no food and no income that he just keeps eating snails now and they were making snail stew.
0: Yeah, it was... Um... It was crazy. It, like, obviously, he was a tour guide. So, when COVID went down, like, it, there was no tours anymore. And so, there's no like COVID relief in Bali. There's yeah. no the
1: government bailout. There's
0: no government bailout. There's no support. They just roughed it. Like, they were growing vegetables in their gardens and they would eat like one egg a day in a stew between, you know, him and his wife and his two kids. And oh, man, it was crazy. But he was so happy.
1: Mm. One well, of the happiest girls I've ever seen. He
0: was so he was like, yeah, it was fine. It was all good. You know, we we had our family and it was fine. And ah, oh, it just really made us kind of realize and, and you, they really check yourself on your abundance because we have so much. Like not just Tim and I, but you, if you're listening to this right now. Like how privileged and lucky are you to be able to have headphones in your ear or to be able to listen to this in your car or to be able to listen to this on your phone? Like you are in the world's like wealthiest population, whether you feel wealthy or not right now, you are literally some of the most privileged people that have ever lived. And yet we're always so focused on everything we want and not focusing on what we already have. And So that was a really beautiful abundance reminder for us. Yeah one of the other things that uh struck out for me in this barley trip there was, there was a few things that happened but one of the other things that really struck out for me was uh we were at a co-working space for a couple of hours one day and there was a guy that had a laptop next to us and he was one of those crazy guys that didn't put headphones in you know just having his zoom meetings out loud like what are you doing bro <laughs> but we were stoked actually to hear his meeting because even though we had our headphones in and we were working away we could hear this this guy talking on his Zoom meeting, and he was some really nervous French dude. He was so nervous to be on this meeting, and I was like, "Man, this dude is not gonna nail this meeting. He is, he is not confident right now." And uh, a couple of minutes later, this American dude jumps on the other side, and the French guy asks the American guy, "What's the budget for this project?" And the American guy goes, "Well, look, our client has you know a hundred million dollars for the deal." And Tim and I were like, looked at each other like the side eye, like, "What?" hundred million dollars. For the deal to this French dude just sitting next to us in Bali is about to make a hundred million dollar deal. Are you kidding? And it just made us realize the different scales of business. I think that you know you can have a business where you can make thirty dollars for a once-off purchase, or you can have a business where you can make a hundred million dollars for a once-off purchase, and that really nothing is off the table, and nobody is too special to have whatever they want. You know, there's like a French guy living in Bali that was just making hundred million dollar deals, and so it really reminded us that. You don't need to be extra special to be super successful already or to have massive, you know, skills or networks to be able to do it all. It really comes down to just your ability to actually go for it. And so I think what Bali really taught us was to take bigger risks and to continue that upskilling and that education and to be happy with what we have right now so our final message on this, all of these pivotal moments have one thing in common. We were out of our comfort zone for all of them, all except the last one, the Bali one, we were spending money we didn't have. And all except the Bali one, we had a mentor that was guiding us. So if you're starting out and you're dreaming of making millions of dollars and impacting hundreds of thousands of people, please know that it's possible for you. I hope today's episode has shown you just how quickly things can turn around and how far you can quantum leap with a few dedicated years of focus and growth. Like Tim and I have turned this whole, our whole lives around in three to five years. It's been absolutely insane. So I know it can be terrifying to invest in your business, but if you shift your perspective, what you are really investing in is yourself. And if you're passionate about what you do and you're ambitious enough to work for it, putting your money on you is a safer bet than buying real estate or investing in crypto or shares. So if you're ready to go from broke, to a million dollar business, and you want to know how? Use the link in the show notes below and have a free business strategy call with my team, and let us show you your next three steps, guys. As always, it was amazing to be in your ears today. If you love today's episode, I'd love for you to screenshot it and share it to social media. Make sure to tag Steph Gorton underscore underscore and
1: at Tim Bray F I U Two Wives.
0: <laughs> guys, have a beautiful day, and thanks for being here. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. My personal mission is to help women just like you to grow their business and give you the advice and insights that you need to make your business go boom. Babe, if something resonated today, it would mean the absolute world to me if you would leave me a review. If you're ready to invest in yourself and take your business to the next level, use the link in the show notes to book a free 15-minute strategy call so we can plan your right next step.